Good job. You may be turning in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7, verse 6. We'll start there in a few moments. My name is Marty. I'm one of the ministers here in the congregation. For those of you who are visiting with us today, normally Reese would be preaching here, but uh, he was most gracious that since we were going to meet together, and he said, hey, I would love to uh, have you preach today. So uh, I, uh, I'm here and, hap- and happy to do it. You know, we are running uh, early in our service today. I guess we're more efficient when we're together. Um, and uh, as it turns out, uh, we want to make sure for the parents, just a reminder, don't pick up your children until 1130. I'd have to preach for about an hour uh, for that to take place. So you're going to have a great time of fellowship before you have to go pick up your children. Uh, so uh, don't, uh, don't go early because they'll be finishing up their classes. I want you to be thinking in your mind, by someone in your life, it uh, could have been uh, maybe your parents, a uh, relative, uh, a teacher, uh, someone in your life that you were absolutely convinced really liked you and had a favorable opinion of you. Now, all of us, we, we can actually think of those who didn't like us maybe quicker. Uh, some of us, we're, we're more negative uh, in our uh, orientation. Oh, okay. Thank you. But I want you to be thinking about someone that, that really liked you. And I'll, I'll share about a couple of situations in my life as you're thinking, and because uh, I've had a head start here. My third grade teacher, uh, Miss Anderson, uh, notice uh, Miss, uh, not, uh, not Mrs. And she was a, a young teacher, and uh, she was a blast. She was great. We had so much fun. And uh, she allowed us to call her Teach uh, instead of Miss Anderson. And uh, all, all the boys in, in the classroom, including me, uh, were crazy about her. She was pretty, uh, and she laughed a lot, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, my uh, parents were concerned about uh, <laughs> me calling her Teach. Uh, and my dad, being a school administrator, actually did a little investigation as to whether that was actually true or not. But uh, he found out that it was. And uh, I think I, I have such a, a very favorable uh, impression of her because my fourth grade teacher, on the other hand, <laughs> Mr. Schertz, uh, the first day of class goes through the role and is going through all the names and everything. And uh, he says... Martin, and I said, uh, it's actually Marty, and he said, it says Martin on the page, and you will be Martin in my class. Uh, No teach there, baby. And you know that was uh, that was uh, that was pretty cool to teach. Uh, you know, back in third grade, I don't know if I learned anything, but I had a good time, uh, and I was pretty sure that she liked me. Now, preachers—I know most of you are not preachers, but Reese will re- re- relate with this—is that preachers always have somebody in the congregation that really likes their preaching, and they're—they're uh, they're actually the worst person in the world to ask how you did because. Uh, they, they like your preaching so much, whatever you preach, they say, oh, that was wonderful, that was wonderful, that was wonderful. And, uh, you know, we've, we've all had that. I know you probably have someone like here in the church that's like that. Uh, 
You have one. Amen. Amen. And, and, and just, just, so, just so you understand, it is never our wives. Never, ever. Uh, no way. No way. The, the wives of preachers are, are the, the most uh, accurate critics oftentimes of uh, what's going on. Uh, because they can really tell, you know, if you did a good job or not, and uh, whether you're, uh, uh, you know, uh, really all that good. But we, you know, there's always somebody uh, in the congregation that, uh, you know, that this thinks, man, uh, that that that's incredible. You have the, the, your person in mind, that person in your life that you're pretty convinced, really, really think that you're neat, that you're cool, that you're pretty, that you're smart, uh, that you're capable, and all those kind of things. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, a great little passage about God and his opinion of us as people. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6, For you are a, a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people of the face of the earth to be his people. His treasured possessions. His treasured possession. Now, we've all, we all have things. But there's some things we have, they're treasured. They're really special in our life. You know, some things in life are tools. You use them and discard them. Some things are treasures. They're trophies. They're the things that you put on the, the uh, mantle in, in, in the living room. They're, they're, they're the things that you keep in your possession all your life. They may not mean anything to anybody else, but they mean the world to you. They're a treasured possession. Really, the great story of the Bible is God's desire to have a personal relationship with his children. God knows everything about us. Jesus says that he even knows the hairs on your head. And for some of us, that's a reducing number every day. God knows all he needs to know about us. He knows everything about us, but he wants us to know him. In Genesis 3, after the fall of man, man is hiding from God. And God is walking through the, through the garden. And he, he says, where are you? That's the beginning. That's Genesis. In Revelation 3, Jesus says that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks. So from Genesis to Revelation, God is wanting to have a relationship with you and with me. He desires that deeply. In the greatest heart of God, of what does God want? He wants to have a personal, knowledgeable, close walk with you, relationship with you in life. And of course, Satan, the great enemy, is in a constant battle to distract you. To try to fill up. There's a void within you that can only really be filled by that relationship with God. And Satan wants to fill it with anything but that. And so that's why he sends us on all the little tasks that we go on and through life. 
And, and we're, we are desperately trying to fill the void. We actually feel it in our heart. We feel it inside. We're like, there's something not there. There's something not right. I need something. I need a new car. It must be it. If I get a car, that'll be it. A house, a bigger house. I need another phone, a better phone. Yeah, I mean, recently I have phones that are only that big, you know. I, we, we're, we're both acutely aware that we need to upgrade. But you know what? You can't upgrade enough. I mean, you've got to continue to upgrade and upgrade and upgrade. I need, I, need, I need more hair. I need different color hair. I need different color clothes. I need more shoes, short shoes, tall shoes, red shoes, bottom, red bottom shoes. Those are important on the red bottom things. All, all the brothers say, what? Red bottom shoes? All, all the women know. You've got to have those red bottom shoes, man. You haven't got shoes unless they're red bottom shoes. And, and you can't get them at Ross, I'm telling you that. <laughs> you ain't getting no red bottom shoes there. I need to be smarter. I need to go to school. I need to learn. I need more money. We, we, we go through all the, the contortions of life. We go from young to old. We go from being full of ourselves to being beat up, trying to fill that void with anything. But there's only one way that void can really ever be filled, and that's in a relationship with God. God loves you, and he wants you to love him. Look over to Romans chapter 5. Just going to read some passages here that are fairly familiar passages, but they're so rich and they explain so well the condition that we're in when God loves us. You know, John three sixteen, the golden verse of, the, of, of all the Bible, God so loved the world. Well, it's easy to say the world and think of, uh, yeah, our continent, someone else's continent, and, and yeah, a bunch of people somewhere else at another time. But in Romans 5, it's personal. It's not just this is world thing of this massive humanity. In verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, we, meaning Paul and the people he's writing to, the church there in Rome, we were powerless. God loved us when we were powerless. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, sometimes in life, something is so pretty, it's so valuable, it's so attractive that, that you're drawn to it. This passage describes that God's desire for us was, was not like that at all. It wasn't that God looked at you and me and said, you know, Marty is such a good guy. I've just got to have him in my family. He didn't look at you and me and say, you know, he's so smart. She is so pretty. So so talented. I just got to have him. While we were still sinners. Powerless. Ungodly. Christ died for us. Look over to Ephesians chapter 2. 
This is another one that's, that's personal. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, as for you, you know, if you're a writer in your Bible, some people are writers in their Bible. That's where you circle you and draw a line off to the area where there's enough room for you to write your name. And you just say, your name, Marty. Not Marty for you, Marty for me, you know. If you write Marty in your Bible, that'd be a little strange. (laughs) You write it in your Bible, it's your Bible. As for you. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. With Christ, even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace that you have been saved. Because of his great love for us. Some of us have a really hard time with this concept that God loves you. Because you're not even sure that God likes you much. Because you're very aware of all the mistakes that you've made and you play those mistakes in your mind over and over again. And you're acutely aware, you have a bit of an accused view of yourself, and and therefore it's hard for you to imagine that the creator of all the universe, the creator of all we know and ever will know, wants to have a personal relationship with you. God not only loves you, He likes you. He wants to have a relationship with you. Now, some of you, on the other hand, you, you think God really, really likes you. And, and, and you use that sometimes. You say, well, God likes me so much, you know, I, I can mess around here and God's still going to like me. That's a whole other theme that, that we'll, we'll study another day. But uh, it, it's important for, for the self-image of a child of God to really understand the idea God loves me. He loves me not because I've earned his love, but because he desires to have a relationship with me. It's in his very nature. It's who he is. He can't help himself. He wants to know you. And he wants you to desire to know him. And it pleases him when you know him better. And he desires that relationship as much as anything. Now, I want us to look as we, we, we bring this into a practical look of our lives. What does this do to us? Because this, this concept that God loves you is real important because it does things to you that need to be done. For you actually to become the person that God wants you to be, understanding how much God loves you gets you to the places that you need to be in your life. The first area is that we learn actually to repent or change because of God's love. Look over to Romans chapter 2, or chapter two Romans 2. Knowing how much God loves you actually helps you change and repent at times in our life. We all sort of know we need to change, right? There's times in my life I know I need to change. Times in your life you know you need to change. 
But sometimes we know we need to change and we desire to change, but we don't seem to have any motivation to change. Nothing is just sort of driving us. It's sort of an intellectual idea, but nothing that's heartfelt. And so we don't change, and then we wonder, well, why? I wonder why I'm not changing. Maybe it's as simple as this. You've got to focus much more on not wanting to change. You've got to focus much more on how much God loves you. In Romans chapter 2, once again, this is a personal passage. Look what he says in verse 1. You, therefore... He's writing to the church in Rome, and he's personalizing it. You, therefore, you, you members of the church in Rome, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for what, at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. He says, now I'm going to talk about this idea of having an uppity attitude toward people around you. I know that none of us have ever felt that at all. <laughs> a little uppity. That's a good word, isn't it? Yeah, you just think you're better. You just think you're a little better than other people around you. Now, I know that nobody in this room ever had that thought. Some of those people did. He says, so then, in verse 3, you a mere man pass judgment on them, and you, yet you do the same things. Do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches? Look at this. The riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience. Not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. I want to I look at those three words. The riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience. And this leads us to repentance. You having a hard time changing some things in your life? And I know all of us are at one time or another. We know we need to change some things in our life, but we don't seem to get it going. We don't seem to we don't change the things we need to change. God's love is shown in his kindness. Tolerance. And patience. God deals with me not the way I deserve. God deals with me and you with kindness. He's kind, He's tolerant. You mean, you mean God just tolerates me? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the way it is. There's times in our life when God tolerates us. And His patience. And that leads us toward repentance. You want to be better at changing the things in your life you need to change? Focus more on how much God loves you. Concentrate on how much God loves you and his patience and his tolerance and his kindness towards you. You know, sometimes we, we look at our life and say, well, I just, you know, I wish my life had turned out better. Well, maybe your life could have turned out a whole lot worse. <laughs> there 
there's a lot of people's lives around us that turn out awful all, all the time. I actually sort of look at my life and think, you know, thank God. Thank God for what I have not gone through in my life. Has everything been easy for me? No. Has everything worked out the way I wished it had? No. But wow, could I have had it worse? Oh, wow. I imagine doesn't even need to work overtime on that. Could it have been different with me if God would have treated me without kindness, tolerance, and patience? How many times if I were in the, in the role of God dealing with me, would I have said, I have had it with you, you worthless wart? disobedient, weak-willed little snot. What is wrong with you? But thank God for His kindness, His tolerance, and His patience with me. Now, do I need to change some things? Yes, and I'm properly motivated. Come on, man. Let's go. It's time to change. It's time to become whatever God wants me to be because, you know, see, we, we sometimes think well, the, the way I need to get to change is I need to grit my teeth. I need to, I need to get tougher and meaner to change the things in my life that I need to change. Yet we still struggle with change. Repentance. The key to good repentance is focusing on how much God loves you. Now, the second thing I want to look at here, you're going to like this. Look at Psalm 103. This thing of of really focusing in on how much God loves you, not only helps you with repentance, it also helps you with renewal in your life. And Psalm 103, great passage. We're going to read just the first five verses. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. I mean, the psalmist here, uh, David, is just saying, man, I just want to pull it out of my gut, my inmost being, uh, praising God. Praise the Lord, all my soul, for getting out all his benefits. Now, he's going to list a bunch of benefits here. He says he forgives all your sins. Amen to that. He heals all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Your youth is renewed like the eagles. Most of the time when we read that, we're like, well, okay, renews your life like the eagles. Well, that's poetic and it sounds wonderful. We have no idea what what he's really talking about. He's talking about an eagle going through a molting process. An eagle, really a fascinating creature of God. It will live if it can live out its normal time in excess of 70 years. But somewhere in the the middle of an eagle's life, uh, an interesting process takes place, and that's called molting. And the eagle's beak, by that time of 30 or 35 years in its life, has grown to the point where it's sort of grown and it's bent down. Uh, and, and it's continuing to grow, and that creates a, a big problem because the uh, the eagle can't eat, and so he starts looking sort of beat up and scrawny. 
And the eagle sort of realizes that I've, I've got to fix this. And so he finds a rock and starts pounding his beak on it, pounding his head, pounding, 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 because he's got to break off that beak. And other eagles hear that. And interesting, the eagles around an eagle that's going through molting respond in two different ways. There's a type of eagle that hears the pounding of, of that eagle pounding its, its beak on, on a rock and, and realizes he's at a weak spot, he's at a weak time in his life, and they attack it and they try to kill it. You ever gone through a hard time in your life and you feel like, man, people are, pe- people are trying to kill me. But you know, there's a whole other group of eagles, strangely enough, when they hear that pounding of an eagle going through molting, they go kill something and they drop it down to where they hear the pounding going on. You ever gone through a hard time in your life and someone showed up and just gave you what you needed? Isn't that amazing? And if that, if that molting eagle pounds long enough, he'll break off that, that beak. And another beak grows back on. And then, because the talons of his feet have become so worn and beat up in the first part of his life, with his new beak, he has to claw out and dig out his talons. And new ones grow back in. And his feathers have become so heavy with time and with oil that he literally, with his new beak and his new talons, has to scratch and dig and pull out all of his old feathers. And you see a a molting eagle, and it's the ugliest looking thing you've ever seen. It's over there literally seemingly just eating itself alive. And, And feathers flying. Hardly can eat, being fed by somebody else. But the process ends, as David refers to it here, You'll renew your youth like the eagle. Because the eagle that's gone through the whole molting process, you see that, that, that eagle? He is ready to go for the rest of his life. Beautiful. Made it through. Let me tell you something. Nobody's going to get to heaven. Nobody is going to get to heaven and not go through this. God loves us. And he, look at all that he does. He provides, he forgives, he heals, he redeems, he crowns, he satisfies. And he also says, you're going to have to molt. You're going to have to suffer some. You're going to have to go through some difficulty, dude. Nobody makes it easy. It's amazing to see an eagle that's gone through molting. It's the most beautiful sight in the world. It's a 35-year-old eagle that looks like a brand-new eagle. And, boy, they're fired up. All they went through to get there. You want to redeem and, and renew your, your, rebuild your faith? Maybe you're going through a molting process. There's hardly anybody that I know that's been a Christian for 20, 30 years hadn't thought about not being a Christian and going back to the world and quitting. 
That's part of the process. And David makes such wonderful use of that. He says, he, he will renew your youth like the eagles. This eagle thing is a constant theme. Look over to Isaiah 40. See, if you want to learn how to repent, just focus on how much God loves you. You want to learn how to renew your faith, just focus on how much God loves you. And he's going to renew you like an eagle. In Isaiah 40, verse 21, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Are you paying attention? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they root, take root in the ground, that he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom can you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all of these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? Isn't it interesting? Complaining is not a modern day thing. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. How many times we thought that in life. Why is God not with me? Why is God not helping me? Why do I have to go through this? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Once again, he uses this renewal concept and ties it to the eagle. This eagle that renews itself at midlife and lives, in some ways, the second half of his life even more profound than the first part of his life because it's gone through the process. God loves you, brothers and sisters and friends. He loves you more than you'll ever know or comprehend. It's beyond your comprehension. But it's the key in many of our lives to getting to the next level in our journey. It's the key to help you change. What do you need to change? You need proper motivation to change. And the love of God provides that, 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 uh, that kindness, God's tolerance and patience. It moves you toward repentance. It moves you toward changing. And this love of God is what renews us when we feel weary, when we feel tired. It renews us like the eagle. I hope our study and our thoughts today about the, the, the love of God will, will be something you take home. Read these scriptures. Go back and study these on your own. Meditate them on in, in your own uh, uh, time with God of how 
deeply how profoundly God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Have a great day. You are dismissed.
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's afterwards. What do you want to move it now? Yeah, we can just make it. You gotta wait until the song. Let's just put it over there. Yeah. Okay. I'll go over here.